Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice, for thou hadst cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas and the floods compassed me about all thy billows and thy waves passed over me then I said I am cast out of thy sight yet I will look again toward thy holy temple the waters compassed me about even to the soul the depth closed me round about the weeds were wrapped about my head I went down notice that to the bottoms of the mountains, the earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with my with the voice of what the voice of thanksgiving and i will pay that i have vowed salvation is of the lord salvation there means rescue and the lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out jonah up on the dry land Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this book that's a very interesting book, a very challenging and instructive book. I pray as we spend a few moments in it today that you will bring us, Lord, to the point where we take our voice and make it a voice of thanksgiving. Lord, we'll ask that in Christ's name. Everybody say amen. Turn around and greet at least two or three people before you're seated. Let them know it's good to see them on a Sunday morning here at Broadway. Yeah, go ahead. Reach across the aisle if you need to. Amen. Give them a smile. Give them a smile. We're a friendly folk. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes on a fishy Thanksgiving. This is definitely uh, something fishy about this Thanksgiving that we read about. Some years ago, a postcard, how many remember postcards? Everybody's online and digital communication nowadays, most of the time. Very few people send postcards, but there was a postcard published that featured a a pilgrim family walking to church during the Thanksgiving season. It was during the pioneer era when dad had to be ready to hunt down his family's next meal at any moment. And so a mother took that postcard and used it as an object lesson to show her kids how the children in the picture enjoyed attending church with their parents. But her son, Junior, wasn't real sure that mom had explained the picture correctly, so he looked up and said to her, Mom, if those kids liked going to church so much, why is their dad walking behind them with a rifle in his hand. Well, how many know perception can be confusing sometimes, right? 
I hope that's not how any of our youth have made it to worship service this morning. Hope nobody was uh, forced to be here with a firearm. But uh, this Thursday, uh, our country is going to celebrate uh, our national holiday of Thanksgiving. And for many, how many know Thanksgiving has become a day where the trio of prayer, petition, and praise have been replaced by the trio of food, family, and football. Right? But in spite of what the day has become, how many know there is still great value in remembering to give thanks? Thanksgiving was intended to be a day in which we just pause, put everything on pause, right? And pause the busy schedule and count our what? Somebody say it real loud. Count our blessings. How many can say I've been blessed? In spite of it all, right? We've been blessed. And how many know we should not base our relationship with God on what He can do for us? but rather on what he's already done for us. And so this topic this morning is one that is prevalent in Scripture. Uh, there's at least 105 times the Bible deals with the spirit and action of thankfulness. Uh, and now, admittedly, the book of Jonah is not one of the first books that we would think of if we were going to go uh, to study the topic of thankfulness. And yet, in our text, we do find this. And uh, it's, it's kind of a big deal because in chapter nine, uh, 2, verse 9, we find this disobedient prophet has finally decided to pray. And in chapter 2, verse 1, is the first time this prophet finally prays in this story. Okay, in chapter 2 and verse 9, this disobedient prophet decides to no longer run from God. And he's now reaching up to God, and he does so with gratitude. Okay, Jonah says in verse 9, I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Now, that's no by no means the traditional thanksgiving. Nothing traditional about this story right here. In fact, this is very different. This is a uh, seafood uh, Thanksgiving in a sense. It's uh, being offered by Jonah here. And as we pr prepare to celebrate Thanksgiving, I want us to look at Jonah's statement here in verse 9 and see, see what we can learn. Okay, and in order to do so, I'd like us to consider the situation which, uh, in which Jonah was thankful because normally we equate thankfulness with times of prosperity, times of, of blessing, times of plenty. And as a result, we're often only thankful when the sun is shining, you know, the birds are chirping, the flowers are blooming, and what have you. But that's not the case with Jonah, is it? Right? How many believe this story is true? Okay. At the moment Jonah uttered his thanksgiving to God, he was imprisoned. Okay. Imprisoned in a floating grave, basically. Inside of a giant fish. So the setting in which Jonah was thankful Reminds us of the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks. 
For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So I want to make uh, about three observations about this and, and, and see how Jonah was thankful. Observation number one, okay? All right. It was a deep and dark place, but yet Jonah was thankful, okay? Jonah was in a deep place right here. Notice the times, and, and we read them. It says he went down into the deep. He went down, down. Probably no section of Scripture has taken more heat from skeptics and critics than this story of Jonah. And the idea of a fish swallowing a man and that man surviving for three days to be regurgitated up on the shore is simply just too much. It's too much for liberals to swallow. No pun intended. But I still believe the Bible. We got anybody in here who believes the Bible? Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, I'm going to start getting nervous here. If God can create all that is and do so in a matter of six days, then the story of the fish and this wayward preacher, that's not so abnormal, right? Therefore, when I read Jonah's words in verse 9, I believe, I believe he was literally inside the fish. And everybody, liberals try to explain it away, but no, 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 no. This was a deep, dark place. And while none of us can fully relate to the inside of a huge fish, we can all relate to deep, dark, difficult places in life, can't we? Life is oftentimes lived in those places. And as we read through the Bible, we see the stories of men and women who spent time in deep and dark places. Jeremiah was thrown into a pit, if you recall. He sank, Scripture says, in the, the muck and the mire of that pit. Daniel was thrown into a deep pit, as we know the lion's den. There was Joseph, whose brothers threw him into a deep pit with the intention of killing him later, but then changed their minds and sold him into slavery in Egypt. These were literal, folks. These were dark pits that God rescued people from. Right? But there were other pits that weren't so literal but were equally depressing, so to speak. David spent several dark years running from King Saul. How many remember reading that? Moses spent 40 years in exile from Egypt. Ruth spent a number of years in poverty. And each and every story uh, about these heroes and heroines of faith told of how God reached down into those dark places and reached those people who found themselves there in pits, whether it be literal or emotional, and pulled them out and rescued them. Somebody say salvation is of God. That's what Jonah realized. David says in one place that what God did for those people, he'll do for us. So we have a privilege of thanking God for saving us from the depths of darkness that we find ourselves in from time to time. So Jonah reminds us that God is to be thanked, not just in the light, but in the deep, dark places of our lives. 
Why? Because we sung it already today. God is good all the time. Right? Therefore, He is worthy to be worshipped. He's worthy to be praised. Thank Him in the darkness as well as the day. Thank Him for the battles as well as the blessings. Amen. Okay, so it was a deep and dark place. Observation number two, it was a difficult yet divine place. Now I want you to look at this. I've found out that most everything we do not only affects us, how many know things we do affect others? Jonah found that out. Okay, the choices we make, the lifestyle we embrace, our speech, our behavior, and even personal relationships. Listen, it all affects not only us, but everyone around us. That's why the Lord called us to live as a servant, unselfishly. He wants us to live in a way that will enrich both ourselves and others. Okay, And oftentimes we find ourselves in difficult places and we get bitter, Okay, instead of giving thanks. And that only adds insult to life. I'm glad God can bring the sweetness back. Even in the bitter times, right? When bitterness has been experienced in life, there's this, uh, you know, little creature, unique creature that helps illustrate the sweetness that's available to us in life. Somebody say the honeybee. The honeybee uses its its tireless energy not only to manufacture its sugary delight for itself, but for others. That bee that flies to the field extracts some nectar from the clover, then flies to the rosebud, claims some of its sweetness. Next, he'll journey into the meadow to retrieve what the daisy will offer, and then pilots over the hill and secures the liquid fragrance, uh, fragrance of a morning glory. And he buzzes back in the orchard and lights in a peach blossom. Then he rushes into the laboratory called the hive, and he begins to blend. Hello. He begins to blend all that sweetness together. How many know in the same fashion we can secure God's treasured sweetness for our lives if we're willing to look through the Bible? For example, go to Abraham's tent and get some of his faith. Right? Then we need to visit Moses at the burning bush and understand God has a mandate for our lives. Then we need to sit down with Job and learn how to be patient in suffering. Oh, we don't want to do that. Then we need to stand with Elijah in the cave where we hear that whisper and God's reassuring voice that he's not finished with us yet. Then we need to visit the disciples in the upper room and experience the Holy Spirit's power that transformed the first century world. Then we need to pause on the Jericho Road long enough for the Good Samaritan to de- demonstrate compassion for us. Then we need to stand reverently before Calvary and just gaze on the crowning glory, the jewel of God's love and forgiveness that transpired on the cross. Then we need to visit the tomb. And somebody say, remember, it's an empty tomb where the power
power of the resurrection can be displayed for us. And then like that honeybee, journey to our prayer closet, blend all of those experiences together, you'll have sweet communion with God if you'll do that. Hello. That will make some real life changing spiritual honey, so to speak, to counteract the bitter difficulties of this life. And see, look back with me if you want to at verse 17 at the close of chapter 1. It says there, there it says, now the Lord had prepared a great fish. Okay, somebody say it's divine. The reality is, in verse 3, Jonah says, thou, God, thou hast cast me into the deep. Somebody say it's divine. The reality is that Jonah could be thankful in the deep place because the deep place was part of the divine plan of God for his life at that time. As hard as the experiences of the fish was for Jonah, the reality is God was using that fish to work in his life, work in that life of a wayward, rebellious prophet. Right? How many believe that? Some may wonder, how can I be thankful in the dark times? And it's hard to be thankful standing, you know, uh, facing uh, illness and facing losing my job. Jonah reminds us that we can be thankful in the dark times uh, knowing that our God is in ultimate control. And when He's in control, dark times become divine times. No matter where you are in life, the hard times, the happy times, trust it is a divine place and that in it there is is something for you to learn and be thankful. In spite of the deep, in in spite of the difficulty, it's a divine God that manifests His care, manifests His control over His children. Amen. You believe that? Observation number three. So it was not only a divine place, it was a delivering place. Jonah learned something liberating. He learned that giving thanks and everything could set him free. See verse 10, because it is only after he spoke to God with the voice of what? Thanksgiving that he was set free from the big fish. Paul and Silas learned this truth in the jailhouse in Acts chapter 16, 25. Why? Because true thanksgiving, it has a way of bringing freedom to us. Hallelujah. Gratitude has a way of setting us free from what binds us. It delivers from what binds. It delivers from what bothers us. Uh, Giving thanks because of divine deliverance. You know, I'm thankful. I have been set free. Hello. How many know around this church, around this community, we have addictions, we have bondages, emotional, spiritual, all kinds. But listen, friends, how many know there is an answer that will set people free? First of all, it is the blood of Jesus Christ. That is always true. The cross is always the bondage breaker. And how many for us as believers know that if we will give Him thanks, because He is divine, Amen. I was thinking, how many remember Paul Harvey? 
Remember the broadcaster Paul Harvey? You remember towards the end of his broadcast, the rest of the story? Remember that? He shared this, and I found it interesting. It involved Westside Baptist Church and their choir in Nebraska, March the 1st, 1950. The choir director and her daughter, Marilyn, was the pianist. Neither of them had been tardy for practice ever. They were always there 15 minutes early. And while they made last-minute preparations, her name was, uh, their last name was Paul. Mrs. Paul called for her daughter Marilyn to come downstairs and get ready to leave to go to choir practice. Well, the minutes continued ticking away, and it was 7.15 because, or before uh, Mrs. Paul discovered the reason her daughter Marilyn didn't answer was because she had upstairs and had fallen asleep. And so they ended up, they would, be late and they're going to break their perfect record of punctuality but but there were 18 members in the west side choir and each one was late to choir practice that night they said miss vandergrift was always early but a high school sophomore she as a high school sophomore she was home contending with a geometry problem Royanna and Sadie Estes was sitting in the driveway with a car that wouldn't start. Mrs. Schuster, another choir member, she was always 10 minutes early. But a business meeting detained her. Herb Kep, another choir member, he felt the urgency to write a letter that he had procrastinated to write. He wanted to get it done before he went to choir practice. That night, March the 1st, was a cold night in Nebraska. Joyce Black, another choir member, was waiting for the last possible minute to leave the house and hurry to the sanctuary. Harvey All and his wife were away on a trip. So they weren't there. Lucy and Dorothy were neighbors. Lucy was listening to a radio program that ended at 7.30. So she said, I'm, I'll be a few minutes late because I want to hear the end of this story. The only reason Pastor and his wife were tardy was because his watch was running slow. And the remaining 18 choir members all had excuses. It was unprecedented. So that nobody shows up at practice at 7.30 at the Westside Baptist Church. Which was the precise time the church's gas furnace exploded. Which was located directly under the choir loft in the basement. But thank God the choir loft was empty. Who protected and delivered the choir that day? Nobody but the Lord. Praise God. Divinely orchestrated. We think it's coincidence. But it's divinely. Whenever we're kept completely from the clutches of evil. Like the choir was that night. It's God's provision. God's wisdom. 
His power ordains it. That's why we ought to, we ought to cultivate an attitude of gratitude that says, hey, folks, it's amazing what praising God will actually do for you. Church, when we consider the glories of salvation, listen, nothing in this life should silence our rejoicing because we have been spared from an eternity in hell. It don't get any better than that. Church, it doesn't get any better than that. If praise is due anywhere, it's due for the cause of redemption. If thanksgiving is due anywhere, it's due for the cause of rescued from sin. Nobody could earn salvation. Moses' law couldn't redeem us. The Old Testament sacrifices couldn't erase sin. Christ and Christ alone offers full payment. So somebody ought to raise your hands and say, thank you, Lord, for salvation. Salvation is of the Lord. Praise God. Nobody could do it except Jesus. Praise God. And now in Psalm 103, we find God's catalog of blessings. Not a Christmas catalog of wants and wishes, but a catalog of thanksgiving. There's five blessings we find there in that psalm that we can thank God for. Number one is what? He forgiveth all of our sins. Number two, he heals all of our diseases. Number three, redeems our life from destruction. Four, he crowns us with love and compassion. Number five, he satisfies our desires with good things. Oh, church, we shouldn't take these for granted. Because if you woke up this morning with more health in your body than illness, you are more blessed than the six million who will not survive this week. Hello. If you have never experienced the danger of battle uh, and, and battle of loneliness and imprisonment, the agony of torture and the pains of starvation, they say you are ahead of 500 million people in our world. If you can attend a church service without fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you are more blessed than 3 billion people in our world. If you have food in your refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, a place to lay your head and sleep, you are richer than 75% of the people on this ball of dirt. Listen, if you have money in the bank, a little in your wallet, and spare change in a dish somewhere, you are among the top 8% of this world's wealthy. Somebody say, I ought to give him thanks. If we really realize this, we can stand with the psalmist David when he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. May my mouth bless the Lord. May no evil words cross my lips, but let my praise be to God and God alone. May my eyes be lifted toward heaven and always looking to Him in genuine, authentic praise. May my 
emotions always express my love and passion and thankfulness to the heart of God. May my mind bless the Lord, even my reason, my insight, my logic, my rationality. I say, may we bless the Lord at all times. May His praise continuously be in our mouth. May our spirit never stay discouraged or depressed. May we bless the Lord with a loudest voice of praise that says in my strength and even in my weakness I'm going to bless His name because we have an eternity with God that has been given us through the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ and let the things and all of our enthusiasm, our convictions and our honor and our ambitions say we're going to bless the Lord. Praise God. We're going to bless the Lord with all that is within me. Praise God. You say, well, what, what age should we bless the Lord? You know, that's not stated in Scripture. Age is not the question. It's the stage. Hello. And you know what David says the stage is? Let everything that has... Everybody go like this. You got any air coming out of your nose? Hmm? Are you breathing this morning? Praise God. If you're not breathing, we're going to call 911. We're going to get you some help. Huh? But if you're breathing, you ought to be praising. Praise God. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Why? Because when He forgives us and removes our sins as far as what the psalmist said, the east is from the west. To be remembered against us no more. Some of you, some of all of us, we've got things in our past we're not proud of. But I want you to know, we've been distanced from it. I said we've been distanced from it. Because He's removed that thing from us. As far as the east is from the west, He's never going to bring it back up and throw it in our face. Oh, somebody ought to say, thank you, Lord. That's the God we serve. And that's the God that deserves praise and thanksgiving and gratitude. Let's stand together. That ought to cause somebody's praise and thanksgiving to rise up in your heart this morning. Cause you to raise a hand or two and say, thank you, Jesus. You've been good to me. Thank you, Jesus, for your blessings upon me. I am not, not deserving, but you've done it because you are a graceful, faithful God. Give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your blessings. We're so undeserving, but yet you've crowned us with faithfulness. And before long, this year will end. And you will crown another year with your faithfulness. May our hearts rejoice. Yes, we all have difficult, dark places in our lives right now. Passing through valleys. Trudging up mountains trying to navigate challenging circumstances. 
But God, help us not to have tunnel vision, but help us to lift our eyes to the hills from whence cometh our help. It's you, Lord. It's you, Lord. And help us rejoice and give you praise and give you thanks in all things. If you can deliver Jonah, oh, hallelujah. And if he can recognize your deliverance even before, even before he was spit up on dry ground, he knew you were in control and he magnified your name. Help us, no matter what we're going through, to keep the right perspective. And know, oh God, that you have never abandoned your children. And you will never start now. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. All God's people ought to shout amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. These altars are open. Why don't you come and just take a moment and give him thanks. Give him some praise. If you got a little praise in your heart, any thanksgiving and gratitude for his grace, oh, hallelujah, would you just take a moment around the front? And just say, thank you, Lord. I've just come to say, thank you, Jesus. Why don't you be that, like the leper that decided, you know, the other nine, they've got, they've got a lot on their minds. So do I. I want to get home to my family. But I'm, I'm going to go back to Jesus. And I'm going to, I'm going to say, thank you. I'm going, to, I'm going to fall at his feet and say, thank you. You've rescued us. You've been there for us. Oh, hallelujah. And we give you honor.